everyone. We're back. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to Rudy Kobe. Uh, he's a very nice man, and I was really, really excited to meet him. Uh, he was the second second person that said yes. Yeah. Well, technically, yeah, yeah, second person that really said yes to this. And uh, he was gracious enough to come and sit with me in my hotel room and, and yeah, do that. How are, how are you feeling uh, on your second, was that your second day of Vegas? That was my second day of Vegas. <laughs> and that was the second I had day stayed of out pretty late that night. Yeah. I, uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't know who, what I do for a living, I am a karaoke host now. I don't, I don't do magic much anymore. I do it on occasion. But so I consistently will go to karaoke bars all the time. And uh, all over the country. All over the country. I love experiencing that kind of stuff. You meet the coolest people. And yeah, with the, that night, Anastasia, Jonathan's wife, dropped me off. And I stayed out till 3 30 in the morning or something. Went home, went back to the hotel, fell asleep. And that's why I'm like, I woke up. I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to be here at 10 30. I'm trying to straighten up the room because there was like a desk in the room. So I'm like, oh, we'll just do it here. I'm trying to like clean up and shit. The coffee there was horrible. It was, uh, I forget yeah. where I stayed. I think it was like a Hilton Garden or something in Henderson. You lived in Henderson. Yeah, I don't remember exactly where it was. There was a pretty nice hotel nearby, like resort. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's super tall. Yeah, he is not a short man. No, you know he's no. big on the TV, and he really is that fucking tall in real life. Yeah. So sitting down with him was kind of it was fun for me. I mean, I hope you had a good listen. He is kind of all over the place because he's he's a very excitable person. He loves to just talk about. Well, I've I, I like to talk to people with big imaginations mm -hmm. and people with big imaginations are often like that their their thoughts are kind of jumbled and from the outside perspective completely disconnected but inside of that world like the ideas that are coming out like at a thousand miles per second uh, connected. I, I, was it during no it was the last one the jonathan interview my phone was going off so i think i fixed it on this part uh, he opens up, he talks about, what I really enjoy is because I, I wanted Rudy because of his, and again, he was kind of a childhood hero when I was starting out magic and thinking, like, what is a complete weird character? And Kobe's lab man is, it's out there. I think there's only one other person I would compare him to, and that's a later interview, is Danny Sylvester with that out-of-this-world character. I, I've never yeah. seen an act like that at the time of this. It was a, it was a comic book. It was a show. A very theatrical show. Yeah. Um, he talks about in the beginning getting his inspiration. And you asked him how he found magic or how he got into it. Mm -hmm. And his response immediately was comic books and movie making. Yeah, he so was into eights and he was editing. into magic, but he didn't realize that he was into magic. He was creating these worlds and being able to do fantastical things and then being exposed to a magician being like holy shit that's that's it that's what i want to do yeah and how to how to take that those childhood hobbies that you really enjoy like that makes you imagine you know because mm -hmm. like his whole thing was imagination is free I, I love that that concept of imagination is free yeah. and taking that imagination and creating a show out of it and that's yeah i like the idea I think that that's he what wanted, makes it work yeah that he wanted something as cool as the comic books that he had created were like in his mind, he saw this incredible world and he talks about that, um, the realness that the world uh, uh, that he creates because he has 
Uh, he likens it to the Star Wars cantina scene where you go into the bar and there's all of these characters and they're already having conversations and they're talking about things and there's an understanding and a language that's there already existing and it it draws you in. You're instantly yeah, submerged into this, yeah. this idea, this this world. You know, he, he says every character you know has a story. And uh, I think that's a really important, especially for a, for a magician who's creating character. I, that, that was one thing, because I'm consistently trying to think of a new character. You know, I've got a bunch of journals, and, you know, one thing he says, he, you know, he dreamt and woke up and wrote it down. And that's a big thing I'm starting yeah. to try to do now is just write things down, because you're going to forget about it. Even yeah. if it's a small idea, the minute you write it down, you go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I journaling in the creative process during during the time that you're working on a character, you're building the character, writing everything down, even if later on you're going to discard it. It's really, it's important. And I never thought about thinking of the world. You know, you think of the character a lot in acting because you're focusing on this character, but then, okay, if you're going to create, like, even if, you know, let's say I created uh, one of my characters, I thought of the, the Devil and Mado character, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of the character, okay, he's a devil demon type of thing. But I never thought about, okay, well, what's his world? What's his every, you know, type of thing? Because usually you think, okay, well, he woke up this morning, what did he do? You know, right. you think of just the, the character itself, not the entire world that he would live in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great concept to to think about when you're developing some kind of performance character reaching out a little bit i never really that clicked (laughs) yeah creating that world and and the uh and you can do it do it subtly like there's a i was watching a great youtube video the other day that was talking about it was an examination of uh what is that movie no country for old men or something yeah yeah and my brother posted that uh, I'm not sure. But he sent me something. Um, maybe there was like there were a couple of them: vocal control, and then there was um, uh, the examination of uh, not telling your audience, like not being explicit about things, but telling the story in a subtle way, and let them piece it together. Let them put it together. Yeah, and not to underestimate them. And I thought that was a in a, in a similar way, that's what the cantina scene in Star Wars does, and it was what Rudy was trying to do with the look of the character, and when his characters would come in or exit stage, there wasn't a lot of, like, it was character building, but it didn't have to be explanatory, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. Yeah, you, you should always want a little more, have a little secret behind it. Yeah, like, you know... Like, again, it's a peek into the backstory. It gives a realness and a depth and a quality to the character that makes them come off of the stage and become real. <laughs> Trying to think what else I wrote down here. I like the, the concept of music with him. Like, that's a that's a big thing that he talks about through watching David Bowie singing yeah. to the skull and making it theatrical. Because... Uh, Sometimes uh, I think, I mean, I know music really helps you out a lot. And it, it definitely, I think, helps any kind of performer, or any kind of artist. If you're painting or anything, music really helps jumpstart the creativity. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, I really yeah, enjoy it, him talking about that. Yeah, he tapped into that 
Um, and there's there's themes throughout this book. I mean, because even uh, later on in some of the interviews, a lot of people will talk about music and how that affected their creation. Um, uh, I wrote down that he talked about going to the library, and Jonathan even talks about going to the library because that was one that was the only thing that was around. But but actually going out and finding these these old books and and like Jonathan with the Orban books, him with all the magic books, finding these big things that, you know, you could only find in the library and just yeah. learning and learning and learning and finding that material. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely a theme. That's where the, there's a lot of gold. Holding the audience. When he talks about doing the boy, I'm glad I did those kid shows. That's the title of this because he says, you know, if I didn't do these kid shows to learn how to keep an audience's intact and, and focused, I wouldn't be where I am today. It prepares you in a way. It's it's like doing busking or stand-up comedy. It prepares you... For everything. For everything. It's creative problem-solving on the fly. And there are, you know, few uh, few endeavors that are like... Well, there's no endeavor like being a magician. Like It is unique. And it's own, yeah, definitely. I think everything's a little unique in their own specific way. Yeah. And that artistic umbrella. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, is, is hard to sell yourself. And I never really thought of it that way. It is hard to kind of sell yourself and it's easier to sell that character, especially when he was talking about writing for the character. He's like, yeah. you know, for yourself, you're, you're writing for yourself. So you're having to think of yourself. You have to go, no, I wouldn't do that. No, I wouldn't do that. But with a character, the character can do anything. Yeah. There's no, you know, it's mostly just why would he do that, not he can't do that. Right. Which I thought was a, a nice little nugget. Yeah, that's a great nugget. Yeah. Yeah, because the storyboarding, I think he's the first one in this interview to really talk about really writing about a character and storyboarding. I never thought about storyboarding a magic character in any way or even a, I mean, well, you're creating a show. So, I mean, in acting, you don't really storyboard, you're writing things down. But right. creating a magic show, I never thought about storyboarding it going, you know, pretty much doing you're almost you're blocking like you're making a movie yeah. so i thought that was kind of interesting yeah but something i kind of may want to put into a practice at some point yeah i think it's a it, it's something that um i remember early on reading and that's what i found fascinating about him coming to magic through movie making mm-hmm. i remember i i had a video company uh years ago like a production company we shot music videos and commercials and things like that and I didn't, I really didn't know what I was doing. I had gotten a couple of books on, uh, you know, making uh, videos and, uh, you know, photography and things like that and trying to educate myself. And I remember uh, there was a, a book I got on directing and there was a whole chapter in it about how making a movie is like being a magician like flat out they were like you should study magic books uh to learn how to be a director because it's you know it, it's the same it's the same type of giving the audience a slice of what you want them to remember and then piecing those together i like that the francis ford coppola i was trying to find the quote um he talks about like Movies are magic. You hear that thing, the movie magic, and that 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 movie makers are magicians. Yeah, they really are. They're dream. I mean, it's yeah, it's dreaming kind of. So it, it was kind of fitting that you know, all from from Rudy's perspective, the 
uh, the dreaming aspect was dreaming and movie making was very big, very real. And I, I like when he talks about uh, when because he, he has multiple characters. I mean, it really is. A, it's a movie. It's a show. It's a comic book. I like the uh, the w- when does a character overstay its welcome? Yeah, and I thought that was interesting because it kind of goes back to what Jonathan was talking about too, right? Of the he he wasn't sure. So what did he do? He modeled someone who he felt had honed it really really well, which was Pee Wee Herman. And I thought it was interesting that he would. Um, cause it's something I did too when I was younger. Like I would transcribe movies and TV shows and things like that. Like I would to see how it worked, to see how it worked and, um, you know, lyrics to songs and things like that. So he saw how it worked, saw the timing and, and pacing that Pee Wee was using and just modeled that. And I thought, again, it's kind of like, it was what Jonathan was talking about, uh, and Rooney mentions it about, like the stealing, right? It's like we we kind of borrow. You, you steal in the beginning, borrow the idea, and then you add your twist. And even though if you looked at them side by side, Pee Wee Herman and Lab Man, yeah, it would look. You would be like they're not the same. They're not the same, not, but not at all. Certainly, it's they're modeled, right? His, his one of his models was Pee Wee Herman. The other was what David Bowie. He said, "Yeah, David Bowie." Yeah, and the the other thing that. I, I really enjoy is that he set goals for himself. And I think writing those goals down, it's almost like that Jim Carrey thing where he goes, you know, I wrote a check for myself, that famous yeah. story for $10,000. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was going to 10 million, 10 million. Did he say 10 million? Mm-hmm. So $10 million. And he wrote it to himself and framed it. And he was like, I'm yeah. going to be able, or wrote it to his dad or something like that. He's like, I'm going to be able to do this. And to see that goal, and the minute you write it down, it becomes tangible to have it's those like not steps. to get too esoteric, but, Writing things down is magic. When you write it down, it has the opportunity to become real. And it's the first step in making it real. It really is. Like it's such an important step. Uh, and because uh, in this section that he was talking about setting goals, he was actually talking about how he left magic, and he had accomplished everything that was on his list. He hit. The shows that he wanted to be on, he was doing what he wanted to do, and it it just worked out that it was it was the right timing for him, and it led to a, a reignition later on with meeting Marilyn Ooh, Manson, yeah, yeah and with, and going through that process of stepping outside of his own world, helping someone else create theirs, and and using the same effects that yeah. he did in his Lab Man show, and then when Marilyn does it, it's a completely different. Thing just because the image changes, the uh, the archetype changes. Yeah, and I think that's interesting too. It's like one of the things about magicians that's it's a difficult hurdle to overcome is that when you come out and you're billing yourself as a magician, people expect you to do magic. <laughs> and when he's describing that story of like, imagine you're at a rock concert and you're having a good time, you've had a few drinks, maybe something else. And Marilyn Manson is drinking absinthe and starts tripping, starts hallucinating on stage and starts pulling apart a woman in front of you that you were just expecting to come to see a rock show. Like, I mean, it's theatrical. It's Marilyn Manson. But no, but it adds. It's a surprise. Yeah, it takes. It It creates magic. (laughs) Yeah, it creates magic and the audience gets pulled into it. And then they're just you're along for the ride. And. I think 
I don't know. It's it. That's a difficult hurdle for magicians to get over because if you are billing yourself as, you know, I do magic. <laughs> well, they better see some magic, but they yeah. should expect something different. Yeah, yeah. His Zen moment, I I really enjoyed the the in the now to mm. to stop what you're doing. Don't like take a breath. I know a lot of other magicians throughout this kind of say the same thing with take a breath, enjoy it. But I like his feeling the heartbeat, like still. Because I feel like uh, you should always have those pre-show jitters, which he kind of talks about. Like I felt like if I did that, my heartbeat was just super steady. Yeah. That yeah, no. Well, why am I doing this anymore? Like there should be that. Like you should be excited to do it. Yeah. Realizing where you are and having that energy. Yeah. Appreciate the moment. Be here now. You know. Uh, recognize that this audience, seen, yeah. this show, is unique. There, even though. You may do the same whatever number of effects in the same amount of time on stage each time you go out. No show is the same. And just and to if, be appreciative. Yeah, and, and the energy thing. If you don't have the energy, the audience will know. Yeah, they tapping really into that, that's an important thing. And it, it does sound, you know, I, I like how he, he said it. He, is, he goes, I believe in the mysterious. And I think as magicians, we we sometimes we get caught up in other things and we forget about being connected to the mysterious and to you know it's it is important before you go on stage to to already set your intention and um be connected to your to your audience and yeah it's a it's a good habit to get into and uh, one other is the pinnacle pinnacle of the art statement yeah, this is one of my favorite. I mean, it's the end of the... I've got it tattooed on my arms. It's, it's, yeah, it became a tattoo, which is pretty damn cool. Yeah, if you if you ever own the book, I think it's the second page, there's a logo, um, and that's my copyrighted logo now, and uh, that Pinnacalum Artium is Pinnacle of the Arts. It's it's kind it's of a my, modified... It's, um, a, it's a modified amphitheater. Amphitheater, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I love that statement, and... I've thought about that a lot and in relationship to all art forms. And I, I absolutely, I totally agree. It's unlike anything else. It's not like maybe the closest thing is like playing music or something like that, where the experience experience of magic that happens live right in front of you is such a unique way of creating an experience it's not like you paint and the painting can stay there for thousands of years and uh, music can now be recorded and shared and granted we can film magic and you know share it that way but that experience of being live with it is just really wholly unique yeah and the, and the pinnacle idea is that we that magic takes everything it takes from from theater it takes from dance it takes from from music in art it takes from everything to create magic yeah there's a great book the death and resurrection show and it talks about um like magicians way back in the in history were were the shamans and the medicine men and they were using all of these techniques together to create an effect on their groups of people that they were um with and it seems only natural that you know it, we're kind of doing the same thing now. Yeah, bringing it all together. Yeah, it's 
magic is so fucking cool. And I love that, you know, he's like, wear it as a, wear it and be proud of it. When you're performing magic, sometimes it's a, I think as a professional magician, it's, um, it can sometimes be like not as cool to be a magician, if that makes sense. But, but then once you step out of it and, and you recognize how just amazing magic is. It's yeah, yeah, be- cool. Believe in your dream, and, yeah, and realize that you're that you're living that dream and yeah. and understand it because that's really what he ends with is you know believe, believe in your dream, right? Doesn't or do I? Have uh, yeah, it, yeah, because yeah, that was his advice. You know, was to to do that, like savor the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, you know, my experience in magic was the same thing. I set goals. I wrote down things that I wanted to accomplish. And when I retired from it initially, like I had hit all of those things too. I think that was my problem is I didn't set the goals. Yeah. And I, just, I think a lot of magicians don't. And I got, don't. I got locked into that, that state of that like wash cycle where I just, I wasn't going anywhere. It yeah. was just the same shit over and over and over and over again. And that's why I don't want to do it anymore. It's boring. Yeah. Because I didn't set those goals. And I think if I decide to redo it, if I decide to create a new character in a completely different show and really, really invent, reinvent my entire personality, yeah. uh, that would be the main thing that I take away from, from so, him, really, is to set those goals to to do that and then take his advice of the storyboarding and the character creation yeah. to to further that. I think that's really the the, the, the Rudy Colby's interview in a whole is yeah. what I take out of that. Yeah. Taking the time being not um not compromising, you know, and and being very uh, very specific about how you want that character to look and to be. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I don't know if the years exactly are right, but it's like he took 3 years of from conception of the character and finding these different pieces and kind of creating it and then when he had the opportunity he took three days to build it <laughs> yeah and also going going from like three minutes to 10 minutes to 25 yeah. minutes to and building it and building it and building it and yeah and yeah three weeks under the pressure i mean he also had that thing where it was uh, no one could say no to me which is always nice yeah you know and once he figured out leverage of of, of his character and yeah he was able to do it yeah it was uh it, it's a, a great testament to knowing your character and finding opportunities uh, to perform that character and not compromising the act, right? Being, having the creative expression and being protective and truthful to your act. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I I thought, yeah, to a point. (laughs) And I thought he, he was interesting too, in that uh, there were a couple of occasions where he changed aspects of the act. Like, you know, the, on certain uh, talk shows or whatever, comedians will be. Yeah, you got to be versatile. You, yeah, it's a like, bit. oh, you can't use this word on this network or whatever it is, yeah. you know. Yeah, you change can't, that word. So can't use the chainsaw. Here's a shark. Yeah, here's a shark. So um, being open and adaptable that gives you kind of that freedom to create and that improvisation. Um, but yeah, I thought it was like again, he's one of my favorite interviews. Just. I mean, he is all over the place. 
And, and the, yeah, all the interviews are so different. I mean, they touch on the same thing, but that's yeah. Ru- uh, after doing Jonathan, because it was it was short, it was only thirty five minutes, and then doing Rudy, which was about an hour, I guess, mm-hmm. roughly. And uh, yeah, just the difference between them and some of the similarities uh, you're going to see throughout all these interviews. And, yeah, the themes that keep popping up, and, and we're gonna, we're going to try to point those themes out because we feel that they're uh, they're important. Yeah, after you listen to it a few times, you kind of hear them, and um, again, like new things pop out. Each and every time. So, well, we thank you for listening to our discussion on our Rudy Kobe scene two. Uh, stay tuned for scene three, Mac King. Mac King. Be safe, everyone. Thanks so much. <laughs>